Hi there, and welcome to episode 61 of the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. I'm your host, Gary Turner. Today, I am really excited to introduce you to a very inspiring lady, Tanya Obeng, who is affectionately known as the communications doctor. Uh, she's got quite a wide following online. She has a, a YouTube channel. And what I really like about Tanya's work is she speaks about communication in a way that I've never really thought about it. Um, she speaks about helping people communicate from a place of speaking their truth. And whilst I'm fully on board with regards to obviously vulnerability, awareness, et cetera, I think when we talk about communication, we're so often talking about external communication and not how do we communicate from the inside out. And I think that's a really, really lovely um, area uh, in which Tanya does her work. She speaks about um, communication isn't about having the correct voice. It's about talking from your heart, from your truth. There's something there around transparency. There's something there around authenticity. And she also speaks about the fact that, in her opinion, there's too much aggression and too much judgment in this world, within companies, within schools. And this is a key point. A lot of people don't even realize that they're judging either themselves or other people. So I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. As always, I get at least double-digit numbers of takeaways. I'm so grateful for uh, the guests joining us, and I'm equally grateful for you for listening. And I really hope that you find um, some learning takeaways for you. And if you do, we'd be, Tanya and I would be grateful if you share those via the different social media platforms or indeed uh, by leaving a rating on the podcast app on iTunes. But in the meantime, enjoy the conversation. And again, please meet Tanya Obeng affectionately known as the communications doctor. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability. This is a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. And this morning, I'm grinning already because I've got the lovely Tanya Obeng on the other side of the screen, who is affectionately known as the communications doctor. Good morning, Tanya. Good morning. Lovely to be here. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And, and as we get going, would you mind letting my listeners know a little bit more about you, Tanya? So, you know, why, where does the name Communications Doctor come from and what are you passionate about? Okay, well, there's a little bit of a story here with the Communication Doctor because um, the Communication Doctor is really about what it is. It's helping people to communicate, but communicate from a space of speaking their truth and opening their opening up and being truly authentic with themselves. Now, I tend to work with a lot of people who have been on long-term absenteeism or who are going through a stage in their life where they want to reposition, but they may be lacking confidence in some way. So that's where that whole idea comes from. Now, the name Communication Doctor actually came from actually when I was at a school doing an inset day about behaviour management. And the headmaster said to me, Tanya, this is not really, it's about behavior management, but what you're really talking about is communication. He says, you're just like the communication doctor. And he started laughing. And it was just quite, quite funny because I thought, you know, that I love it. And, it. and he was joking. And I actually thought, you know what? I love it. And I'm going to take this on, even though he was doing it in a kind of a, a jokingly way. I was really, really thinking, oh, wow, I do love that. And I do also love the fact that some people have really connected with that communication doctor and some people haven't as well. And our whole perception of 
what we think communication is and me using the word doctor as well um, stirs it up a little bit as well because I feel you know what opening your truth and being true to yourself is really about what communication is about yeah, yeah. It, it, that's such a beautiful description I've, I've got to say Tanya I think it's probably the first time ever in my 42 years on the planet that anyone's spoken about communication from a point of depth from sort of internal yeah. we're always talking about communication as this thing outside oh. of us that we have to manage or be better at or to give, give feedback. Where did that depth of what communication means to you come from out of interest? Oh, I love that. I love that question. Um, basically, the depth of that just comes from my journey, from what I've been through myself. Um, you know, my background is teaching drama, but I also trained as a dancer, actress. And I went through a stage in life where I was continuously having to put this facade on or trying to fit in. Um, and also within the drama world, you're always stepping into a role. But when you step out of a role and you are who you are, I felt like I was never who I was. So, you know, I've had voice and speech lessons and there is times where you can turn it off. But I've spent so much time on the self-development and working on myself and accepting the fact that I've got a South London accent, accepting the fact that, fact that I may stop or I may want to stutter or I may want to do everything that may be imperfect, but I'm being real and authentic. And that's what I kind of love about that. And that's why I call myself the communication doctor, because communication isn't about having the perfect voice. It's about speaking from your heart and speaking from your truth. And sometimes when you go through experiences in your life, you come to that point where you accept people for who they are and you don't correct them. Also, like growing up, I had sisters and a mother who was constantly correcting me or correcting your voice and thinking about the f and vows and the, you know, how you say certain things. And I found my voice not being real. And now I can just totally be real and it's okay. And I love it. I love sometimes when I speak to Americans, they say spontaneity <laughs> rather than spontaneous. I love it. I don't correct people because that's the beauty of who they are. And that is what I'm talking about when I'm actually allowing my clients to just be who they are because a lot of them are afraid because of what their parents have told them, what their teachers have told them, just to be themselves. So it just holds you back in lots of ways. I'm really interested. I'd like to come back to your, your background because I love this really rich background of this drama sort of education that you've got. I know you do some work as well. Um, I believe with Lifted and Gifted, you work with schools as well through, through another one of your, your entities. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's well, that's my company, Lifted and Gifted. Um, yeah, and we basically go out into schools, teaching drama, dance and music. And now we've, I've got some teachers in my books. So they do it. So that's why I can be able to be sat here right now while they're teaching in various schools, <laughs> doing that work. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what it's about. Yeah. And, and how has that morphed for you? Because, I, because I, I've come spoke to a couple of people where there's this sort of really strong drama background and then working with corporates or with executive teams or with individuals to help them show up, you know, more effectively or to stand in their own power. How do those two things link? What, what sort of skills cross both of those boundaries for you, Tanya? Okay, well, basically, it's very new to me because I've mainly worked in public sector. But it's, to be honest with you, there's no difference. The only difference is the language. So if I stand up in front of a school audience of teachers on an inset day, 
talking about behaviour management um, with my communication doctor programme, it's no different from walking into an executive or um, a PR company, for example, and talking about communication, because we're all people. Um, it's just a vocabulary that's different because of the industry. And I feel that, especially in sales and stuff as well, especially if you've kind of got the sales department, it's really great to talk to them about this sort of thing because language is so important. And also NLP, I use a lot of NLP as well. So it could really kind of help you from that perspective in terms of moving forward, in terms of getting that sale. When you actually speak to somebody from a human space, rather than um, an aggressive space. And I feel there's too much aggression and there's too much judgment within this world and within companies and within schools. It doesn't really matter where you work. I just feel that um, as long as you're coming from that deep space of just being real and being honest, people see you, see through you, you know? Yeah. I do feel that. No, that's really lovely. It's really interesting. So what I'm picking up as, as, as we talk Tanya is, is it's almost like judgment is the gap judge judgment seems to be seems to be the fear the fear between yes. be, being that true authentic self from which we can communicate inside to being that masked self where we be something that someone else wants us to be yeah yeah so exactly. it's really powerful mm, mm. you know it is really powerful but and it's interesting because a lot of people are still on that journey and a lot of people don't realize they're doing it a lot of people don't realise that they're judging and they don't realise how uncomfortable they make other people feel. And, um, and, and that's sometimes where mental health and everything else can start. I mean, I, I feel we, everybody has mental health, first of all. And I do feel sometimes the way that you speak to somebody or the way you interact does affect that person. Um, and if you're coming from this whole thing of hierarchy, which I don't even believe in myself, I'm probably one of the only people I don't, I don't get impressed if you've got an OBE. I'm impressed to a certain degree or but I'm, what I'm trying to say is I don't get impressed because of somebody's education like I used to, you know, I mean, I'm an educated woman, but I don't get impressed by that. I get impressed by what you have to give. So you could be somebody who is taking the bins out. But if you're coming from a heart-centered place, and also you could be very educated, and you know, my parents came from that Windrush generation where you had doctors and nurses coming over to this country and working on the London Underground and being cleaners, and they were very educated. So I just say never underestimate anybody or look down on anybody, and and that's why I hate the whole hierarchy thing and the whole, you know, authority and that kind of respect with regards to how we treat people. So when I find there's any trigger of that within my work I try to dissolve it and I try to allow that executive for example to see their employee as a human being because that's where it starts you know that's where it starts oh really that resonates so much with me you know we're all we're all on journeys as you say Tanya but for me mine in the last few years has been waking up I call it affectionately a midlife awakening definitely not a crisis after sort of Mm. striving you know the nice car the nice house all the things we're educated to believe matter and then yeah, exactly. you know, suddenly sitting there two years ago going, what, how can I have all that stuff? Inside, I feel my soul is empty. And mm. I love your work because I've been looking at a fair number of your videos that you post on YouTube. And I'd like to ask you that question, if I may, Tanya, because you ask it to other people. What feeds your soul? <laughs> Sorry, that just made me laugh because I do say that to other people a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, lots of things do. Lots of things feed my soul. Um, okay, 
I, you know, I love going for walks in the park. That's, that's actually the top for me. It's, and I feel that is for my mental health, is that clarity and just listening to the birds sing. And, you know, meditating under a tree is quite nice. I've been doing that quite recently as the weather's got better. Um, alone, being in my own space and reconnecting with myself just really helps me to feed my soul. But also, I've got two beautiful children. So going cycling with them is amazing. Just going cycling with them. Just hearing them laugh, because I know that their laugh's going to change, especially my little boy. Eventually, he's going to get older and his voice is going to change. And I'm going to miss that laugh. So just hearing people laugh. So simple things like that, really, for me. I've got a little buzz on now as you, as you speak, because everything you just described is totally not to do with hitting metrics or for striving for performance or for productivity. That's just very internal, isn't it? All of those things you just described. Yeah, yeah. Those are the things that make me smile. Those are the things that, you know, that I connect with. Because sometimes you come to a stage, and I have come to a stage where sometimes I've been in a place where financially I've not had a lot, you know? Um, and before we kind of were built in this world to think everything's about money. But I don't believe so. I think, yes, it is important. Obviously, money is energy. I do believe it's energy. And we need that to, to survive. We need it, especially living in this country, especially living in London. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not saying, of course, it's needed, you know. Um, but I'm not chasing, okay, I've got to make six figures in two days or something like that. You know, that's not what I'm about. I'm about communities and people and making people gel and helping people to smile and support each other. You know, as I said, I'm not kind of triggered by, by somebody who is on that whole hierarchy thing or on this whole thing about um, success from a, I suppose, an unauthentic way, you know? Mm. Yeah. Uh, very, yeah. Very powerful. You've, you speak quite a lot around mental health and you're, you know, part of your profile on your website, Tanya, you speak about being a mental health advocate. What does that mean to you? Where does that passion for mental health come from for you out of interest? Mm. Well, actually, that was another thing I had. I didn't call myself a mental health advocate. Somebody else called it after <laughs> I did an inspiring talk. So I'm, get, I'm learning as I'm going on. <laughs> and I thought, OK, I'll put that down because that's good. And that's how people describe you. Um, but basically, for me, it's just been my own journey. Um, I'm the youngest of six children and I watched my mum suffer with dementia for the last 10 years of her life. Um, and that was quite destroying to watch. But then when I look back, there was also a lot of beauty there as well, you know, but I also saw that person who I knew as a, you know, as a child to be my mother, who was that nurturing, kind, connective woman, and also a very powerful woman, I felt, you know, lose the sense of self. Um, and to watch that, as her youngest child just really affect me and also just made me look at life um, in a different way. She passed away about two years ago now. And during that time, I've done classes on my lifted and gifted um, dance with dementia and just started really having a look at dementia in a different way and really kind of going into the heart of it and finding out why that happened to her because it wasn't genetic. None of her sisters, nobody else has that did have dementia. I feel it was kind of linked to depression in some kind of a way, but there's no kind of proof of that. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting to hear. So I just thought, you know what, I've got to start looking after myself. I don't know how my mum do it with six kids. I've only got two. And I always feel like when I come to that point where I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, stress levels are getting high. I kind of think, relax, Tanya. And then I think of mum and I think, God, how did she do it? 
how is she so organized? <laughs> I don't feel I'm as organized as she is. Um, but yeah, so it just makes me think differently. And I look at other people differently because sometimes when people in the street may behave a certain way or somebody, you know, has got an attitude before you may hit back at that person. But now I'm thinking, God, you don't know that person can have some form of mental health or, you know, I just look at it differently and don't try not to allow some of their energies to get to me. It's, it's, I'm not perfect. Sometimes it does. Sometimes other people's energies do get to me, but um, I try to understand the people around me, you know, and see them in a different way and also try to understand myself. That's really powerful because I think what, what's coming up for me as you speak, Tanya, is around the power of empathy. Mm. and really put try, just trying to be kind to yourself but also put yourself in somebody else's shoes yeah exactly exactly that's what's so important and that's where the whole a lot of people are thrown away around this whole emotional intelligence thing i did this emotional intelligence course a while back um and we were looking at daniel goldman he was kind of um you know the, the main guy who started openly talking about emotional intelligence within the workplace and so forth and i feel there are some people that are doing those courses that I feel lacking emotional intelligence themselves. <laughs> now, after doing the course and going into different people's faces and actually realising that some people don't know how to speak to each other. But I feel sometimes when you do something or when you do a course, it's not about being the teacher. It's also about being the learner as well, you know, because you could also learn from those people that are sat in front of you in the room. And you can connect. And I think that's what's lost. And that's where I, it's interesting you said empathy, because I think that's what it's about. It's about empathising with people in the space and not putting yourself above everybody else in the room because of where you are or your education or whatever you feel, because you are. And spiritually, you aren't anyway. You know, I always feel you're coming from that kind of spiritual space. And when I say spiritual, I don't mean kind of from a kind of religious space. I mean, just from a connective space. Um, just understanding who you are and understanding everybody around you. Oh, it, it, do you know something? It's so, I'm so pleased you mentioned that point because if you'd said that to me a year ago, I would have been like, Tanya, what do you mean spiritual? I don't get it. Isn't that tied to like, <laughs> God or Allah or something? But I've literally, when I mentioned about my midlife awakening last year, it's exactly mm -hmm. that point, which is we are all connected. Yeah. You and I are connected. You know, the builders out here are connected. Your builders are connected. And that I love how you keep coming back to the energy point because I think, the more we can do that and realize we are connected and actually we are interdependent as well as connected i think it shifts everything on inclusion on being vulnerable on empathy mm. i think as long as we think we're disconnected that's part of the problem what do you think to that or would you challenge that or would you agree with that no i agree with that actually and i do think a lot of people don't realize that they their behavior i think it's more of their behavior is very um, conscious in the sense, in the sense of um, being disconnected, and a lot of people are. All you've got to do is just get on the tube <laughs> and see a pregnant woman stand up on the tube, and nobody get up for it. Do you know what I mean? Little things like that, you know. And you just sometimes walk around. Sometimes even living in London, it's a bit of that, and it does frustrate me. And just the way how people are within to of each other. Then you might go to another space and you see so much empathy, you see so much connectedness. Um, I have walk, walked into workspace where they have got it. I mean, it, just in terms of companies, I do love Lush for that. I know I, I love walking into Lush, the, you know, the, the store and seeing all of the people, just the way they greet you, all these young people that are so happy to be working there, talking about smelly <laughs> shower gels and soaps, <laughs> hair washes, all that sort of thing, you know? So there are some companies that have got it right in terms of 
the energy and what they're giving off. But then you know, there are some spaces that you walk into where there is that disconnection and um, it, it is all about having that connection. So I totally do believe, I do believe in what you say and agree with you fully. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, but it comes back to that. So it comes back to that unconscious and conscious mind. It's those two things with the, you know, you have the unconscious mind, you have the conscious mind. And sometimes we have to do the work on the unconscious mind. And that's where the NLP comes in. I did a lovely session with my client just the other week. I won't go into it because it's kind of personal to her, but it was about letting go of some of her anxiety. And she'd been seeing a psychotherapist for over a year. And I do feel with sometimes with psychotherapy, it's a bit, of a codependency and they bring up stuff from the past and it just spoils, you know, and it, this whole stuff from the past turns into blame and there's no solution. And that's why I love NLP because you're maybe looking at some of the stuff from the past or looking, but you want to see how it affects you and how you can find a coping mechanism for you to deal with it moving forward, because that's what's important. You know, it's what's the unconscious mind does. No, that's, that's, that's really interesting. I'm, I'm sitting here laughing, Tanya, because you want to talk about the universe and energy? I'm mm. meeting somebody that works at Lush's head office for lunch after this call. Oh, really? That's not a joke. That's literally, after this call, I'm meeting someone from Lush. So there's oh. the universe for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is really funny. I, just, I don't know why I gave you that example, but I just, because I think I was in there this weekend, and I just love the energy. I love, my, my kids love going in there as well. They just go in there, like, making bath bombs and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, yeah, which is such a great place. Some, some, and it's simple, simple. Whoever is, I would love to speak to the guy that you're speaking to, you know, whoever is the CEO of Lush has created a really lovely atmosphere, has created a space where people are obviously feeling like they are happy and feeling connected and enjoy going to work. And that's what that you should be really, you know? Oh, yeah. it's, it's amazing. Well, one thing I assure you, I will make sure there's a connection for you to the, the people I'm meeting at Lush. We'll do that after this, uh, this call. So I'll, oh, sure thank you. I'll connect you to them for sure. Oh, cool. Mm. I, I love what you just said about this conscious and unconscious mind. Though, Cause I think it's really important because you know, the word mindset I go back and forth on this because the, the word mindset in a way is almost a bit of an oxymoron because <laughs> we are between this conscious and unconscious mind. Mm. If we use the word mindset, we sort of think we don't have a choice. <laughs> mm. So, I'm, so I wonder what you think about sort of the word mindset and how does, what, does, what does it mean for you? You know what? I think people are throwing it around a lot and a lot of people talk about mindset training. I did. I went on the mindset growth mindset course myself um, and the actual word I don't like, I don't like the word mindset. Um, I, I just don't like the word. <laughs> and that, thinking why, I'm just thinking, why don't I like it? Because um, even though I say growth mindset, it's that, it's set. It's that word set that mm. I don't like, you know, being set because nothing is set. If we are evolving, nothing is set. Um, I do love the idea of the whole growth mindset and even the creative mindset. I love that. But I do think we're human beings and we're going to dip out from one to the other. I don't think that anybody is going to be totally growth mindset about everything in life. And I think that's where we're coming with this whole superior thing. And nobody is superior. I do believe in growth mindset. I talk a lot about it. But it's, it needs to come from that place of being conscious of what you are thinking and feeling and sometimes you're conscious and sometimes you're not and it's okay 
as simple as that you know sometimes we are fixed mindset and it's fine sometimes we're going you know this whole thing we have to be growth mindset all the time and yes it does help your learning yes it does help your development so they're all positive things about it but in life in different circumstances we're going to behave differently you know and it's coming to the root of why are we behaving differently and what's going on there you know yeah that's 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 so lovely the way you put that actually because we, we're not taught, oh, even through, I'd love to come back to your education piece here, actually, and the work you do there, because through my, all through my education, Tanya, it, I was definitely never told it is okay not to hit my grades. It's okay mm. not to be perfect. It's of okay course. not mm. to, you know, be the best version of yourself. When mm. actually what you're saying, and I completely agree with you, is it's okay to have a bad day. It's not yeah. going to disrupt your life forever. Exactly. Are we in school? We're not taught that. Mm, 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 exactly we're all we're all striving for this whole perfection that's why I don't like the school system in that kind of a way really um I think especially now I've seen the system change of the curriculum changing just in the last five years the curriculum has changed drastically and I feel there's been a lot of pressure on you know children doing their GCSEs and their A-levels um and there was a lot of changes that were made in a very short space of time. And recently we have huge mental health problems with young people. And I think that is because of the pressure of, okay, you know, that the world's going to, it's a bit like X Factor as well. You know, I do love X Factor when they say, um, oh my God, it's going to change your life. And I'm thinking, is it? It's going to change your life in some ways. And it's not going to be the end of the world if you lose. <laughs> <laughs> do you know? Like they'll next fact, they, they dramatise it though. Like it's got to be a major thing, you know. Um, and it just, uh, it, it, it just makes me laugh a little bit. You know, some, you may want a record contract with Simon Cowell. You may not want to work with Simon Cowell. He might be the horriblest person on the earth, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's all those other factors. It just makes me smile the way people take things so seriously. It's the same at school. It's like, oh God, I've got to get that A star. Which is amazing because you're striving for the best. You know, you are striving for the best. I do believe you should strive for the best mm -hmm. and be the best version of yourself. But if you don't get that A star and you get an A, it's like you don't have to be so hard on yourself, you know? And sometimes I always feel the most successful people in this life, I really shouldn't, maybe shouldn't say this as a teacher, but I do believe this, are the people that have got the C's and the D's the people that have not done so well because they're striving to be better and sometimes that striving to be better because they feel like they've not achieved sometimes it's a drive to mm. get them to that next level and I do find when I talk to people the amount of people I've said spoke to and said they might be great entrepreneurs and they left school with no GCSEs or they've gone through a crisis of some kind and then they've had this whole process of waking up and their lives have changed, you know, and, and I'm, I'm like amazed by that. But then obviously there are people that have gone through that and who have not dealt with that and have gone down the, another route. Mm -hmm. So the idea is obviously to strive for the best that you can. But well, I suppose what I am saying is you can strive for the best, but then if you don't get those grades, it's okay. There's always another route or another road or the, a reason why you, you haven't achieved what you've achieved. You know, sometimes it's a lesson for you. Yeah. <laughs> No one experience, yeah. Uh, I think that's really nice. And it's a case, again, back to your point, Tanya, around being conscious to those lessons and mm. being, I use one of the words from this podcast, vulnerable, because yeah. we're not taught not to know. We're taught to know, and we're not taught it's okay not to know. So I wonder mm. what is around that word vulnerability. Is it something that you like? Do you challenge it? You know, how does it come up in your work as a communications doctor, the sort of uh, the topic of oh. vulnerability? 
it comes up a lot. It comes up a lot. And I experience it a lot myself because um, a lot of people think that if you're vulnerable, that you're not resilient. And I have a real issue with that. I mean, myself, I went through the burnout. I talk quite openly on my website that I went through the burnout. But I want to say this. I was going through the burnout and I didn't know. I still turned up to work every single day, completed every single task that I needed to complete um, and did everything as I was meant to do it. And I was incredibly resilient. It wasn't until I started studying the burnout and experiencing what I was experiencing with my mother and actually went away and I started reading some books. I started reading about Carl Jung. Um, I also went, started reading about dementia and looking up on that. And as I was starting to do that, I was then looking back and thinking, oh my God, I went through this and I didn't even know it at the time, you know, because I knew how I was feeling internally, but externally I was behaving a certain way because I had to get the job done. Mm -hmm. So I look back and I realise I've gone through that, but people make an assumption that if you've gone through the burnout, or if you've gone through something, that you're vulnerable and weak. And it's absolutely rubbish because a lot of people have gone through it or probably are going through it that don't even realise that they are going through it, number one. And speaking about mental health, again, so to keep mentioning it, it's important to say if there is an issue or to speak to somebody about it, because then you can then actively do something about it. And I feel that if you show a little bit of vulnerability, I'm not saying be totally crying every single day, or, or but if there is a problem and you show that you are human, especially as a boss or as a leader, I think it's important for your staff to see that there is a sensitivity there, you know, not to the point that someone will walk all over you, that, but just that you are sensitive because then that will invite people to come and speak to you if there is a problem because they think, okay, it's okay. And I think that's what's important, you know? That's, that, that is such a powerful comment for me. I know certainly as I've talked, spoken about my own mental health challenge where I sent myself into burnout three years ago, it's incredible mm. how, it, as you say, it gives permission to someone else to open up in whatever way they feel comfortable to do that. And I think that's such a powerful comment, Tanya. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's what it's important, especially if you're a leader of some kind, um, everybody's seen you as resilient, which is important. But then there, if there's one moment where you just say, like I just said earlier, you know, my mum passed away and that really affected me. I need to take some time out. You'll be respected for it. You go and take some time out, recharge your battery, then you come back, you can do a better job. And I think that's better in life rather than to suffer all that time to the point that you're rude to everybody and, you know, your behaviour is affecting everybody else in the space. And they don't really know what's going on internally because when you behave a certain way and you are, you can be rude and you can be snappy and you can want all these things done. Behind that, there's always something else going on. And it's getting to the heart of that something else. But if you don't, stop take time out for yourself and do the rest then you know it's going to affect everybody around you and not just within your workplace also within your family as well when you're trying to push on two, yeah two, two, two such important points for me there two one mm. stopping and then also the impact on those around you like mm. how, how God, this honestly it's really striking me tanya as you mentioned this because how little do we focus on training or supporting people to stop? It's mm. the complete opposite. More, yeah, more it, quicker, quicker, faster, faster. Mm. No, totally, totally. It's all about that. All, and that's, that's how the world is. But I also think that's very much the Western world as well. Because when you travel and you go to different places, not, I don't think that's how it is everywhere. 
um, but very much in this Western world, in this country, in the States, you know, although some countries have got it down, you know, but um, it is interesting how we put such an emphasis on um, all this, you know, managing a task, getting the highest grade if, if you're in school, if not, you know, achieving that six figure sum, whatever your drive is. <laughs> It's always a focus and it's always good to reflect and see what is this about? What is this about? Why is this important to me? And it sometimes comes back to your parents and comes back to other things or comes back to what you were taught and all that sort of thing. So a lot of it is just taught behaviour. So I feel what's lovely right now with a lot of people is there is a lot of the mental health awareness at the moment. And there's a lot of people talking openly about things. There's a lot of even celebrities now talking openly about their journeys. And it's allowing people to see that we are all real. And, you know, if you're going to be really successful when you reach the so-called top in terms of what you perceive, what other people may perceive as success, it's a bumpy road. It's, it's never a smooth road. If you want something in life, it's a bumpy road. And nobody talks about those bumps. Everybody talks about, you know, the success. And it's even interesting on LinkedIn, actually, or Facebook, when somebody says, you know, I've got an OBE, or I went to meet the Queen this week, or I'm at Downing Street the amount of likes they get, <laughs> you know, but when someone opens up about something they've gone through, they may get far. It's just very interesting. It's just very interesting how people are. And if people think you're doing well, they want to be part of your gang, you know, and they, and some people may be doing extremely well offline or extremely well and just popping on, but people are not aware of that. So it's so funny also how we're judged in social media as well for how, people perceived as to be doing because a lot of those people who are perceived to be doing that way aren't sometimes doing as well as they look that look like they're doing you know so it's really interesting so that's my bins and i think they're doing the bins <laughs> <laughs> it's a messy podcast we said it would be it's fine <laughs> that, whole, that whole thing about imperfect it's life you know they're doing the bits of bin stage today so I'm, I'm at the front of my house that's the noise i've got all the windows open so i do apologize <laughs> <laughs> love it. We're just proving about being authentic, Tanya. I love oh, it. I love it. I love it. Uh, as we start to wrap up, do you mind giving my listeners a little bit, bit of a rundown, a sort of a one minute rundown on each of those two programs that you do offer, just in case it's of any interest to anybody that's sort of listening to us right now? Yeah, no, totally, totally. So, okay, I do an Unlock Your Creativity course, which is about unlocking that what feeds your soul, is what we talked about earlier, unlocking that creative spark and that goes back to when I experienced um, my burnout and also lost my parents. It was doing art actually that really helped me to come back to myself in lots of ways. Um, and I did art at school to do again. Um, so kind of coming back to creatively what opens you up or exploring something different about yourself. And that's what the Unlock Creativity is about. There's another um, program that I do which is called return to work but it's not actually about returning to work it's about returning to who you are mm -hmm. so sometimes within that process people are coming back to who they are I do a soul plan reading because I'm also a soul plan um, reader which is about Hebrew numerology I start with the soul plan I look at what your challenges are in your life what your goals are and what your talents are and how we can help you achieve those goals I look at um the other side, the anxiety, things of fear, the blocks that are holding you back. And I use a lot of NLP, hypnosis, all of that to help people to come back to themselves and to kind of let go of all of those limiting beliefs that are holding them back. And then they can walk back into the workplace or walk into another job 
where they feel ready, mentally ready to move forward. So it is like going on a real journey with me with both of those courses. And it's about going on the journey with self and really coming to a point where you can really open up and just to communicate, you know? And that's why, that's why it's whole communication doctor's programs. <laughs> oh dear, I, I do a diagnosis and then we, we try to see what we can to do to solve some of those problems or issues or what you may believe to be. Some things aren't problems or issues, but you may believe in your heart that there may be something that's preventing you from moving forward. And it could be that limiting belief of worthiness. It could be how you see money and various different things. Yeah. It's it's such incredibly great work you're doing, Tanya, because I think, you know, I've only again, I've only learned myself the last few years, the importance of our self-worth, not our financial mm. worth, but our self-worth. Do we like each other? Do we love each other? Can we be ourselves? You know, it's, it sounds very woo-woo, but it is spiritual. You know, at the end of the day, you know, if, if we don't like ourselves, we're stuffed, aren't we? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or connecting with ourselves, understanding ourselves, isn't it really? Because I mean, sometimes we don't like ourselves, let's be real. <laughs> there are some things you're thinking, oh gosh, that there's, and, and, and sometimes there's something about that self and it could be that you, some people may say, oh, I hate my father or I hate my mother or I hate the thing. And, and you look back and it's because there's parts of themselves that are like their mother and like their father. They don't realise that they are human beings and they've gone through what they've gone through, you know? Um, and yes, it's, it's also looking in the mirror and actually accepting who you are and trying not to be that person who you are and just being who you are. Yeah. So it is a process. <laughs> You're right. It's a process. Yeah. 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 Uh, can I ask you as well, as we look to wrap up, I'm really interested. What's, what's something that you've learnt, maybe either semi-recently or, you know, what's something new or something inspiring that you've come across that's really sort of shifted your own thinking? Could be anything. Oh, okay. What's shifted my own thinking quite recently? Um, actually, I had a lovely conversation the other week, actually, with a lady. I think it's, it's all the NLP stuff. It, um, I interviewed her on my show, and she was talking about being woke. Oh, God, I, her name escapes me, but the last lady that, oh, God, it's terrible. <laughs> I interviewed so many people. Jane, that's it, her, there it's gone. Jane Battenberg. So I interviewed this lovely lady um, from LA called Jane Battenberg. And after we got off the interview, I spoke to her a little bit. And she was talking about just being woke, um, you know, waking up. And, but it's the way that she was speaking about it. And she was talking about working with people who had cancer and helping them so she's she's basically helped them to get rid of the cancer in their body from a purely spiritual standpoint um and I was just so inspired about her and the way that she worked and the way that she really connected with that whole mind in terms of what the mind is doing how what the unconscious mind is doing in terms of creating cancer or creating illness and even though I kind of knew that I'd never known somebody who had helped somebody. I mean, everyone help, talks about Louise Hay, right? And knows about healing your life. And she talks about it, but I've never actually known someone to have done this or gone through that process where they've helped somebody to kind of get the cancer out of their body from a purely alternative way or using herbs and using mind to do that. Because it's, for me, that's just incredibly powerful. So I was very inspired by that work and that she was able to do that and just inspired by how the brain works in terms of how we can create illness, our own illness, just through our lack of belief in ourselves. 
and also creating those blocks, all that, all loads of things. So that that really inspired me just by having a conversation with her of the the real power of our minds and how alternative medicine can work because a lot of people are in alternative medicine and do alternative medicine, and and some people on the outside they're a bit skeptic. Um, but yeah, it's it's quite a miracle, really. Yeah, that's, it's really huge. I remember, I remember actually on this retreat when I woke up last year, Tanya, just sitting on day two of a retreat and just seeing actually that my mental health challenge was my own thinking and mm. that I actually did it to myself. It wasn't the outside world. That was like a huge, huge moment for me. Yeah. Huge, huge moment when I just suddenly went, oh, actually, no one told me I wasn't good enough. No one told me I couldn't get the promotion. I told it all to myself. And like, yeah. when you realise a lot of that's going on, it's like, wow. Mm. no it is a wow moment well you know it is a wow and, and like you say the fact that you realized it is huge that's huge that must have changed your life hugely you know especially coming from the corporate world you know yeah yeah very much so so look you've been an absolute joy we knew this would be a good conversation tanya how can people find you what, what's the best ways to uh, to contact you if they want to follow up the conversation oh if you go onto my website um www.communicationdoctor.co.uk um, and also you can find me on YouTube. I've got a YouTube channel, which I built to basically help people to reposition. So if you go into YouTube, Tanya, the communication doctor, or just Google me, Tanya, the communication doctor. <laughs> yeah, it's all go. <laughs> Amazing. Well, look, thank you so much for your time today, Tanya. Grateful to have connected. Have a great thank day. Thank you very much. You as well. Take care. Bye. Bye. Hi there, Gary Turner, just wrapping up this excellent podcast with Tanya Obeng. I really hope you took away as much learning as I did from this conversation. A few of my key wrap-up comments, just for those that may be interested. I really like Tanya talking about that she doesn't get impressed by educational hierarchy. What she's impressed is by what you have to give. Such a powerful statement for me, this. And I really liked her example of her family coming over as part of the Windrush generation and that we should never underestimate anybody or look down on anybody. I just think they're really powerful, powerful comments. How often have you, the listener, how often has I um, actually made a judgment about somebody without asking the curious questions about understanding them fully, about understanding their point of view? Again, back to that point of empathy. I also really enjoyed Tanya talking about the fact that it's not always about the teacher. It's also about being a learner. And this points directly back to another one of my Monday heroes, Gary Ridge, CEO of WD40. He kindly joined me on episode 50 of this podcast. And he talks about uh, the, the number one role of a tribal leader being to be a teacher, but also a learner. So uh, you know, Tanya and Gary Ridge have got very similar mindsets there, which is uh, very, very exciting. She also spoke about the fact that some people feel that vulnerable, being vulnerable means that you're not resilient. And she gave a real life example of herself um, being, you know, actually, <laughs> she didn't realize she was struggling when she was going through her burnout, but she still turned up. She still delivered the job role she needed to do. Um, so just an interesting reflection. I don't often hear about a link or some sort of relation between resilience and vulnerability. And I thought that's quite an interesting um, comment that Tanya shared. In addition, and this comes up time and time again, and I really want to emphasize this point from this podcast, leaders that role model vulnerability opens the door and gives permission to those that feel less confident to be vulnerable themselves. So think about that from an innovation point of view. Think of that from a continuous improvement point of view or from a growth point of view. If you as a leader state it's okay not to know, if you as a leader state that it's okay to get things wrong, if you as a leader state 
that actually I want you to challenge the status quo with me. You're going to get a lot more innovation, a lot more ideas, a lot more um, ideation from your team and from your people. So really role modeling with vulnerability can only be a good thing. I truly believe that, truly, truly believe that. And the last two things for me are Tanya also spoke about her last guest um, that joined her on her show, spoke, spoke about helping someone get cancer out of their body by using their mind predominantly, as well as uh, alternative um, remedies. I remember listening to some podcasts by Michael Neal, if anybody's interested in Michael Neal's work around the three principles of mind, consciousness and thought. I and mean, he had a guest on once who actually basically recovered from having cancer all throughout her body, predominantly through thinking, you know, the mind. And the fact that we can actually create illness through a lack of belief in ourselves, as Tanya says, I think is such a powerful point. This is not just about positive mental attitude. This is not about sitting in the corner, staring in the mirror, telling yourself you're, you're good enough. It's just knowing that you are. And as Tracy Fenton from World Blue speaks about, you know, we all, we all enter this world a 10 out of 10. We are always a 10 out of 10. You listening are a 10 out of 10. It's only our thinking that takes us away from that. So really, really powerful conversation this for me. And the final point, just want to give out a, a positive shout out to Nina and Nikki from Lush, who are actually the two colleagues who work at the head office down in Poole in Dorset of Lush. It was just such an incredible um, energetic point that for me during this conversation. And I did literally go and meet Nina and uh, Nikki for some lunch after recording this podcast with Tanya. And I just think it's just such an accolade for Lush and actually how their people show up. Um, that you know, Tanya and her family clearly enjoy going into that shop um, because of the energy and of the, the, the people um, and how they make people feel. And I think comes back, I think it's a Maya Angelou quote, quote around people don't remember what you say, I remember how, how they make you feel. I hope I have not bastardized that too much. Um, but the, and these two people, Nina and Nikki, really do epitomize what it's like to be deeply human-centered and really give a care for other people. So just a wonderful, wonderful conversation, this one for me. Really enjoyed it. I hope you took some um, learning away from it. And indeed, feel free to challenge, feel free to add to the conversation. And again, I'd be really grateful if you'd leave some form of review on the podcast app um, on iTunes that, that this Value Through Vulnerability podcast can reach more people. And until next time, my name's Gary Turner. I'd love to hear from you um, if you have any other comments and all the very best for now. Take care.